0: Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. Today we got questions to ask before starting a construction joint venture. I love the ideas of joint ventures. We always form these new companies and stuff and didn't realize we could have done joint ventures in a lot of ways and so many advantages. But here on the contractor success forum, we're talking about this because we find ways to make your business more profitable and grow that business, that contracting business for you on the Contractor Success Forum. And who is here to help us do that? We have Stephen Brown, McDaniel Whitley, Bonding and Insurance Agency, and Wade Carpenter, Carpenter and Company CPAs. And I'm Rob Williams, authoring the Pumpkin Plan for Contractors and Iron Gate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. So today, man, I love this subject, construction, construction joint ventures, do you see these Steven? I know, I know Wade's going to jump in here a second. Do you see a lot of joint ventures in the bonding world?
1: Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing when done right, they can be a real source of good income, learning and growing your business. So yeah, joint ventures are way cool. Wade, you know, you brought up this topic for today. What got yep. you so fired up about joint ventures lately?
2: Well, actually we did a podcast recently on finding a good joint venture partner Mm
1: -hmm. and I
2: put out some checklists on that, on our website and we actually got some really great response. And I also created a list of 50 items that you should consider when forming a joint venture. And what I found was a lot of people were kind of getting an analysis paralysis thing It's like, oh, I've got all these things. And then, so I was like, well, let's develop it into a question and answer type thing. Mm -hmm. So we've broken all 50 questions down into 10 main categories. And you may not think of all these, but some of these things you really should think about before you start, because as many joint ventures go right, there are several that do go wrong. There are things that happen and you shouldn't go in blindly, but... You also find a point where, you know, we need to figure this out and move on because you can't take forever trying to put a joint venture together where it never comes together. So,
1: Sure. And we also did a podcast on the Mentor Protege Joint Venture Program for federal contracting and how powerful that was in helping both parties get projects that they couldn't ordinarily qualify for. And, you know, we've talked before, Wade, about Joint ventures. First of all, from a legal standpoint, there's lots of ways to tie down a joint venture to protect yourself, even though you're joint and severally liable for the completion of whatever project that you do together. So you can protect yourself. That's huge. There's there's absolutely probably a hundred different joint venture forms to help you target exactly what you're bringing to the joint venture and what they're bringing. And how you're going to administer the joint venture. So we talked about that. And then we talked about picking your right joint venture partner. And that's kind of what we were talking about now, Wade, you know, how do you find that perfect joint venture partner?
0: i tell you one thing I want to make sure we hit before we get to that is it's why do we want to do that right now? I think right now, we're going to need these more than anything else from where you came from all these contracts that are coming down. I thought about the discussion you brought up, Stephen, after your AGC meeting up in DC, about how there's so much work out there that they can't get the bids. And I just had a concrete guy, roads and infrastructure type things calling me. He's got a 300% growth rate this year. Way to go, CP. I'm not gonna say his real name, Mm -hmm. I'll give you his Because he's probably listening. And he's down there and he's got a 300 percent growth rate. And we're thinking about what is he gonna do for cash flow and stuff. But there's so much work out there. And and do you have to just turn all this work down? But this joint venture is I think it's gonna be huge, huge Mm -hmm. this year. So and I know Wade, you had that concrete. I don't know if you want to tell that story, but the concrete guy that you know, had that. If you have a well, story, there,
2: you I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, Steven kind of brought out in that one episode about the infrastructure act. And some of those projects are finally starting to roll out. And there is a lot of work out there from what I see, but, you know, I guess what Steven was kind of rolling into is like one of my first points is the foundational questions, those kind of things, like how are we structuring this, you know, just asking the simple questions, like what's the purpose of this joint venture. You know, what are we trying to accomplish now? Most people are like, well, Hey, we just want to make some money and make good money. And a lot of times they are designed to be a little more of a short term type thing, but it could be, as Steven mentioned, the mentor protege type thing where you get the small guy and we're trying to grow into bigger jobs. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense guys? Yeah. Let me
0: ask you this question, Wade. I know I've seen so many partnerships instead of joint ventures that they brought a partner in just like say as an equity partner or they brought a partner in, they made him a partner in the whole business just because of one job they needed to get or just something. And I don't think people realize that there's another option to that.
2: Yeah. We've seen that too. And whether it's, you know, MBE, WBE type stuff or you know, several things that, you know, could get somebody a job or a relationship.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about any project too, guys, that
2: you're looking at the
1: specs and you say, man, I can really do this part of it great. And -and so-and-so can really do this part of the job great. And that's 90% of the project. Why don't we form a joint venture? I mean, that's a way to get a higher margin, on the work that you would have ordinarily been subbing out to someone else that's another reason
0: yeah so so listen ahead i was going to ask the question we'll explain what the difference between a joint venture and a partnership i think people would actually use the word joint venture and and think oh yeah we'll do a joint venture but that just meant they formed an llc you know and it wasn't that so i think throughout this we we had a company maybe I see the points coming up, people will figure out there is a difference between forming a new company and just using the word joint venture, because it's not really, and then doing a joint venture that's formed as a joint venture.
1: No, that's a great point. You know, we're referring to it as an entity, you know, a legal entity. There are partnerships which have certain lack of protection. Then there's a joint venture that's formed as a legal entity it can be formed between an LLC and a partnership. It can be formed by any two entities, but the joint venture itself is an entity.
2: Well, so again, people do use the term joint venture very loosely. And sometimes they will have an agreement where we're going to split profits, but they don't actually do anything from an entity standpoint. And whether you do that or not, a lot of times, if you don't spell a lot of these things out, whether you're forming an agreement or not, You know, you can end up with some hurt feelings and people mad at each other and lawsuits and stuff like that. So that's part of the reason we talk about these things. So kind of moving on to the next one, just, you know, the performance goals and expectations of the partners. You can have one partner drop the ball on one piece of something and wreck the whole project. So there are several questions to ask here. Who's going to be responsible for what? What are the milestones that we're supposed to hit? What happens if, you know, this happens? Is that making sense? Oh yeah. yeah.
0: That's huge. And just putting it in writing sometimes and maybe is an example. Cause a lot of times I've tried to do this and we couldn't exactly come up with it. I said, let's just write a little example then, and let's write some examples because we couldn't think of the rules and sometimes examples. So at least you kind of know what the intent is. So that's, that's huge yeah. and that's been a really big benefit for me as opposed to having just the bullet points.
1: And now. it means you've thought it out and you put it down on paper. You yeah, well, show the
0: example, write out the calculations. This is this because how many times has one partner interpreted some words differently than this? Just, boy, I love having an example up front right. to see because the words... Don't go into our heads in the same way. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, like, well, oh, we'll split the profit. Well, what the hell does that mean? You know, God, that could come mm-hmm. out a million different ways.
2: Yeah, and actually, you're kind of jumping into other things I was going to talk about. But well, I didn't mean uh,
0: to jump. I didn't. Need no, to jump.
2: it's fine. Honestly, because you know, these are the things that we probably should be discussing. And you know, I recently went in a partnership with some people and. There was a book and I don't remember the author's name, but it was called The Partner Charter or the Partnership Charter. Charter. Yes. And it it was a good book and made you think about a lot of things. That's partly why I started thinking about this from a joint venture standpoint. But you know, what I have done with these checklists is actually we've again jumping ahead, what I found was asking the questions, people did get that analysis paralysis like, I don't know how to answer this. So we actually put the checklist on the website where you can ask questions and there's like five suggested answers. So we can talk about that later or put it in the show notes, but that is one of the things that people don't know how to get started. And that's part of my purpose for talking about this today. So I know we probably got a lot more to go through on this one, but a lot of times partnership most people don't think of as if you go into business with somebody, you don't think there's an end to it and people should be thinking, you know, Hey, what happens if something happens to one partner or another, but with a joint venture, typically they are short. I mean, it could be one project they're doing. It could be a few years. Steven talked about the federal government contracting and the mentor protege. And I think it's like six years is the maximum length or something. Do you remember Steven? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: there's a, a three project limit, but you can always disband the joint venture and start a new one, but you're right. You need to know when the joint venture is going to end at a time. And a lot of folks, what they do is they just take one project and they say, it's going to end after that project and yeah, you can common. always change it. But you know, the end of a project is easy to determine the end well, of a joint venture for legal purposes is something you have to consider.
2: Well, it is. And, you know, as you're wrapping up a joint venture, I mean, you finish up the job, but there sometimes are assets and liabilities and how you're going to split those kind of things. So we don't have time to go into a lot of detail on this. But the next one I want to talk about may sound a little weird, but information sharing and ownership of the information. When you have joint venture partners and two or more partners and one of them does one type of contracting, the other one does another piece of the contract but they're not coordinating the information. It can be a disaster. They've got to be able to communicate. So part of this section where I'm talking through it, you really need to have a discussion with your partners and how are we going to manage this job? How are we going to share information? Because it is key to making sure you have a successful project.
0: So would you say that's both job site and job information as well as financial information? And absolutely
2: i mean i think about it a lot from the job costing standpoint because if got ex we treat this as two different partner two different jobs and you know, i'm doing the concrete part and somebody else is doing site work or something you yeah. know they don't coordinate things and they don't know how they're coming out overall but they got a total cap budget and they're not they're paying attention to their side of it i've seen it happen many times you yeah. just gotta Treat it as if it is not separate books. It's not like my job and your job. Yeah, That's right.
0: I tell you where I'm cringing on this. I'm just thinking of an example. I had a really wealthy partner on one thing and cash flow. One, t- You know, it's like the wealthy guy that's got this tons, of extra money sitting is not going to be thinking about the cash flow. So who is running what And that, that cash flow can like kill one of the partners. And the other one is fine because people don't realize, that everybody's in a different boat and that those cash flow projections, invoicing, receivable, payable, all that kind of stuff. You got to get that down up front and share that because the terms that one guy has may not be the same terms as the other. And one may not be able to afford those terms, you know?
2: Exactly. Exactly. And that, that is part of this. The next part kind of goes hand in hand with what I said, but, There are some other considerations. How are projects managed? Because, you know, if you treat it as like, Hey, I'm doing my piece and somebody else is doing their piece. Who's going to manage it? Well, who's going to be managing it? Who's sending out pay apps? Well, if we're depending on each other to get these pay apps out, we're never going to get paid on time. If there's not somebody that's kind of like managing the whole thing, a lot of times you've got to have somebody pull the whole thing together.
1: Right, and the legal term is managing venture, who's ultimately managing the joint venture. And it's easy to come to an agreement on that. It becomes obvious as you break down the scope of the work. But like you said, guys, you know, cash flow may not be as important to one of the other parties, and it may be a huge stumbling block to you. And also, I might add, Wade and Rob, that from a bonding standpoint, if there's a bond required, You bid the job as a joint venture and the joint venture needs a bond. Well, you know, your bond agent gets together with their bond agent and they plan on you sharing information with the company directly. So, you know, I may not want to share my information with you, Stephen, because you're not my bond agent. I've got a bond agent, but you can share it with your, your bonding company and vice versa. And that's usually the way that works. A lot of times, at a regional or a home office level even. That's a
0: great point because I think a lot of people don't go into these because they might be embarrassed or they don't want to show the other person their financial situation. Almost every contractor I've ever talked to thinks that the rest of the world is looking at them like they have this great almighty thing. And the reality is, you know, everybody's balance sheet looks worse than they think the outside perceives of it. Yeah. So they have this air that, Oh, people think I have all this money, you know, and they may not really think that about you, but people are embarrassed to get that out. So that's a big stumbling block to go into these joint ventures. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that, Stephen. I didn't actually realize that, that you could just go to the funding. I just hey, that's one to nice right thing here.
1: about our industry. We'll, we'll let you know fairly quickly, yeah. you know, what we think without hurting your feelings, hopefully, but just saying, no, this, this partnership isn't going to work out. And okay,
0: well, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. that to was go, we don't have to go just, into details about it. Yeah. Okay, that's great. That's new well, something for me to learn.
2: Well, I mean, Rob, what you said is absolutely correct. I mean, everybody wants to project an image that we're doing better than we are, and everybody thinks that the world is doing better than they.
0: Yep, I project. can think of a huge one that I turned down one time. One of my neighbors that I think is really wealthy. It was after the two thousand nine. And I had another business, parts business, and he wanted to partner with me and he had a lot of experience from AutoZone and stuff. And I was kind of embarrassed of what my balance sheet looked like after we'd taken that big hit in 2009. And I was like, well, he's going to want to put all this money in. I'm thinking I had to be 50, 50, too. I didn't realize you can put the different things. So I just avoided him socially. And it was a great opportunity that I missed. And I turned down because I was embarrassed of where my balance sheet was at the time. And it really wasn't that bad, but in my view, it was, it was bad. So
2: yeah, yeah. good point, Rob. Good point. Okay. Well, I know we're, I'm going to kind of fly through a couple of more of these real quick in the interest of time, but, you know, along the same lines, communication guidelines between the parties. And I can just only give you a couple of real quick thoughts. Sometimes you have a big general contractor that has everything paperless and they partner with a little guy and he still likes his old paper from, you know, but how do you communicate, whether it's trading invoices or letting you know what's going on with the job? is a big factor in putting these together and establishing that up front is, can be huge. Okay. Next one plan for the unexpected. Nobody anticipates any job going wrong, but just like any job, things can turn on you. I've had some where unfortunately the job turned out to be a bust. Their subcontractors messed up and one of the parties had some money. The other one had no money to bring to the table to finish the thing out. That's just a quick example. But when things go wrong, how are we going to finish this out? What's going to be the expectations? Obviously, the legal details that we, we started on some of the stuff like how are we forming this and how are we splitting profits, who's controlling and that kind of stuff. Legal details. I don't know, Stephen, you may want to chime in a little more on this one, but risk management. Of a joint venture.
1: Well, risk management, a lot of the times both parties bring their own insurance into play. So they don't get a separate joint venture insurance policy. But some do. There's pros and cons of both of it. But one of the pros of you know the joint ventures, whatever claims happen under that joint venture, it is considered a separate entity. So if it's extremely risky job, you might want to get separate insurance on the joint venture. But nevertheless, most of the times each partner brings their own insurance into play.
0: Don't most members have different caps on their insurance?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you Usually the joint venture partners are only concerned about what insurance requirements the owners are requiring you to have, what limits what okay. types of coverages the owners want. So that's all they care about. But, I would beg them to realize that there's more to it when analyzing the risk than just what the owners are asking for. They don't know. Half the owners still call general liability public liability. That's a term from the 50s. Come on. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying managing your risk is something that you really need to talk to your agent about and a joint venture one agent or the other, if you have different agents may want to do the insurance policy for the joint venture, and that might drive you crazy, but you can always work it out where somebody puts a plan together and you split the commissions or whatever, if it's a joint venture policy, but nevertheless, Analyzing that risk and understanding, making sure you have those coverage in places, a key element of it. Stephen,
0: I want to explain a term that I think a lot of our listeners won't understand. That you just referred to. You referred to this thing. It's it's because you're old. You're really old, and oh. and fifties. <laughs> okay. You old. listeners out there, you don't understand fifties. He's referring to nineteen hundred and fifty. as in the years. That's a long time ago. 50s if you haven't heard that he doesn't mean 2050s 1950s and, yeah. and you know so that's it, just so you know his generation I, I, not, hey i was not I born to clear that up.
1: i was not born in 1950 <laughs> <play> it <laughs> it's, it's just
0: confusing i mean when they hear 50s like what does that mean <laughs> okay i just i just wanted to clear that up this this lingo that we use it well, I, I did really want to
2: nice. point out that after we're done recording, he's probably coming across the street to find yeah. you. I know we need to wrap up, but Stephen, I was hoping you would touch on bonding requirements for joint ventures too. Well,
1: the project, if it's a municipal job, federal job, city, state job, it requires a bond, or if the owner requires a project to be bonded, then the joint venture is literally named on the bid bond. And the joint venture is named on the performance and payment bonds. And then what happens on the performance and payment bond forms is each of the, each of your sureties sign on it. So for example, one joint venture where I'm the managing bond guy, I'm designated. You know, I have powers of attorney for both their company and my client's company. And I issue the performance bonds, send them copies and then their agent bills their customer for their percentage of the bond. And I bill mine for my percentage of the bond and it's all worked out with your local surety underwriter and uh, their home office. So it's done all the time. It's easy to work out.
0: Very interesting.
1: That's something I had not.
2: So if somebody has bonding capacity, it's easy to (laughs) work out sometimes.
1: (laughs) Hey, look, it's a great way to boost your bonding capacity. I mean. So think about that, please.
0: I think one question a lot of the smaller active contractor may have is, is it going to affect the bonding negatively? And I'm not really sure how that works. Like if if the other guy has a bonding capacity of this and you've got this guy with like really down here, does it negatively affect the bonding ability or?
1: That's the beauty of it, guys. It doesn't affect you negatively. Remember me mentioning joint and several liability, the bonding company says, well, I not only have one good contractor that I'm bonding, but I got two. We're sharing the risk. So, for example, say one contractor has Zurich and another contractor has CNA as their bonding companies. Both those companies are sharing the risk on the joint venture. So it's underwritten a lot more positively for you. I
0: think that's important. Important. Again, I think we we keep, I must have some inferiority complex or had one because I keep. Yeah, you know,
1: you shouldn't. You made that comment once after I bonded you. Yeah. When you were in business, you said, you know, I couldn't believe you bonded me. I was embarrassed. I was like, you know what? I don't know where that perception came from. But guys, look, bonding agents are there to help you sort this out. So don't worry about that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let me hit. My last topic, I know we're running kind of a little long here and we didn't get too deep into some of these questions, but the last one is really more about the compliance, stuff like the tax returns and how the accounting is going to be handled. We've been working with a lot of these contractors and sometimes they just don't have the back end support for the accounting part or even the accounting is sometimes different from even the day-to-day construction accounting complexities because of the construction joint venture. So that's where we come in. These are some great questions we've been asking our clients when we put that checklist out and if anyone is interested in that checklist or wanting to go through that assessment, we did put that out on our website for free. It even gives you some suggested answers to get you started because what we found is that people, they don't know how to even get it started. So they get this analysis paralysis and do nothing as we said. Joint ventures can be a great way to build your business. And I hope everybody listening, considers this, if this is right for them. And I hope they got a ton of great value out of this.
0: Yeah, this has been great, Wade. I'd love for us to do some more. Maybe we can make a playlist on YouTube, Construction Joint Ventures. And we'll put all those episodes together under one playlist and we can probably easily do 10 of these and not even scrape the surface. So this is, this is-
2: I've got a whole hub page on my Carpenter CPA's website devoted to Construction Joint Ventures if anybody is looking for more free information on this.
0: All right, let's do it. And listeners, let us know if you if you guys want to hear more about Construction Joint Ventures. What is it that we didn't address? What do you want to know? Put some comments on YouTube. We'll see it or go to our webpage, different places you can. Put them. Um, you can go to uh, our LinkedIn page, make some comments there. Contractor success them. Bring that up. Anything else? I didn't mean to cut us off. I know we we're going
1: long. No, I mean just just to say how old I am. You can you can call us. You know, and for young people that that signifies they used to have these things called handsets
2: on your dial-tons. yeah. Do these rotary dial dialers? Yes.
1: So so there. I guess there's no you know visual emoji for calling us, but you know there I've got a. I've got an iPhone. You can call me on that. How about that? Hey, right. call, you can call Wade. You can call Rob. Best thing is our Contractor Success Forum website. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know if you have any questions. We're here to help you.
2: Rob, lock your doors well because said. Steven's coming across the street when we're done. <laughs>
1: That's right, man. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks, Wade. Great topic. All right, well, this has been
0: the Contractor Success Forum. You guys come back and listen to us. Wade Carpenter, Carpenter and Company CPAs. Remember that? And Stephen Brown, McDaniel Whitley, Bonding and Insurance Agency, and Rob Williams, authoring the Pumpkin Plan for Contractors. Come back and see us. See you later.